You are listening to Bear in Mind, the University of Northern Colorado's official podcast. Join us each episode as we listen to the voices from UNC faculty, staff, students, and alumni as they offer insights of local or national importance. This is your host, Dan and Cox, bringing you just a taste of UNC. So you're wearing a small little pin. Can you explain what it is? Sure. Thanks for noticing. So this is a black pin with a white and red padlock, and the padlock is open. And this represents the open access movement. The open access movement has been around since the 1990s when the internet became widely available. And open access is basically an open system for communicating research results in which anyone, anywhere can contribute. And that means that research breakthroughs are accelerated. This movement also includes open access journals, open data, and open science. Today I am focusing on open education and open educational resources, otherwise known as OER, which are part of the larger open access movement. Whether that resource is a video, a lecture, it could be a syllabus, a podcast, an assignment, a lesson or lab plan, it could be an open textbook, a quiz bank, and so on. So faculty have a lot of options with OER. They can adopt an existing OER, which means taking something and incorporating it as is into their class, adapt an existing OER. So that means making some revisions or somehow remixing that OER and then um, incorporating it into their curriculum or creating OER resources from scratch. So a great example at UNC is Dr. Oscar Levin in the math department. He created his own math textbook, which has since been widely adopted by other universities. OER ties very closely to open pedagogy, which is a way of teaching that involves the students as creators of information rather than just consumers. And the work the students do in the class are openly licensed and live on past the conclusion of the course. So examples of assignments that utilize open pedagogy could include editing Wikipedia articles, editing and adding to a course text that is openly accessible, creating study guides, and creating videos. I've been an academic librarian for about 20 years, and during my career, I taught a number of credit classes on information literacy and research methods. About eight years ago, I noticed my colleague put a Creative Commons license on her teaching materials. So these were materials she created. And when I first looked into the Creative Commons license for my work, my initial reaction was interest, but also caution, because it was a very new idea to me. I was already publishing my own research in open access journals, but before I put my teaching materials out there for the world, I had to ask myself questions um, I hadn't considered before. So like, why should I put my lesson plans, assignments, and rubrics openly licensed and accessible? And um, why should I use materials that are free to my students? And I thought, why not? I wanted to say something about the Creative Commons licenses available. They're um, very powerful. So the backbone of the license is that material is openly accessible. But if you don't want someone remixing your work, you can choose the appropriate license. If you just want it openly accessible, but you don't want people revising it, that's an option. If you don't want commercial entities to reuse your work or remix it, there's a license for that. CC BY is the most liberal license you can apply. 
As I learned more about the open education movement, I learned how it can empower students and faculty and how open education has a positive impact on learning and engagement and student retention. I realized that OER can be leveraged to make a course more inclusive. So for these reasons, it makes complete sense to me that open education and OER are gaining traction in higher education. Some listeners may not be aware of how extremely high the profit margin is for the top five textbook publishers, and that includes McGraw-Hill, Pearson, Cengage, Houghton Mifflin, and Scholastic. An August 2016 Bureau of Labor Statistics report showed that textbook costs have risen 88% during the last decade, which is more than three times the rate of inflation. And in October 21, 2015, Washington Post article by Henry Farrell described the textbook market as price insensitive. So price insensitive means um, the demand does not go down as much as it should when prices go up because the textbooks are required purchases for students. So prices continue to go up without weakening the demand. A parallel is the pharmaceutical industry, which is another industry with huge profit margins and a captive consumer base. I really want to acknowledge that while open educational resources have been shown to be effective and have many advantages, there is a cost. So OER are free like puppies are free. Someone has to put the time, the work, the effort into adopting, adapting, or creating and sustaining them. And it's a big shift. Some areas are very challenging to use all OER materials, for example, uh, perhaps contemporary literature might be difficult. It's also important to acknowledge academic freedom and that faculty need to use the teaching materials they find the most effective for their classes and it's totally their choice to utilize OER or not. So what have you learned about OER here at UNC? Here at UNC, I conducted two surveys during September 2018 and one was of students and the impacts textbook costs had on them, and one of faculty, which was about their awareness, attitudes, and usage of OER. And the responses showed that like many university students, UNC students are hurting financially from the costs of textbooks, and this is a big problem. 921 students answered the survey, and there was a 6.95% response rate. I received about 300 open-ended comments from students. Here's just a few quotes uh, from those student comments. So one student shared, over the course of my college career, I've spent thousands on textbooks that sometimes don't get used the entire semester. It's frustrating to try to sell back a $200 book still wrapped in plastic and get offered $15. Another student said, and I redacted the publisher name, but a prominent textbook publisher is the Monsanto of textbooks. Stop making us buy online codes for things. It's just a scam to ensure we buy something every semester. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, I know, a very astute observation. Um, courses that do not clearly indicate what textbooks and digital materials are required upfront before the semester starts have the biggest financial burden for me. And another student said, buying textbooks is a huge stress for me each semester. It is something I dread. I have maxed out credit cards to afford my textbooks and have yet to pay off those books from up to two years ago. I haven't spent less than $400 on textbooks each semester since my sophomore year of school. From the UNC faculty survey results, I had 153 responses from faculty and I had a, a high response rate, I thought 17.6%. Um, and a few things from the faculty that jumped out at me um, were the awareness levels about OER. So 38% of our faculty are currently unaware of OER. And 20% have heard of them and 19% are somewhat aware. Something else from the faculty was the barriers they identified to OER adoption, difficult to find what they need, lack of resources for their discipline, and concern about the quality of the materials. Mm -hmm.
These are all legitimate concerns. I'd like to take a moment to discuss some myths about OER. And one of those myths is you get what you pay for. So actually, OER can be produced to the same quality standards as textbooks, and many OER have reviews by faculty, which I think are a critical piece for faculty to be able to see what others have said about the resource. Another myth is that OER are not sustainable. So models are evolving to support the sustainability and continuous improvement of OER. For instance, uh, through grant programs for faculty, through partnerships with nonprofit or for-profit organizations. So just a few of those organizations are the Open Textbook Network, OpenStax, or Lumen Learning. Something else I want to mention, I'm really encouraged to see that the University of British Columbia formally recognizes OER creation and usage in their promotion and tenure process. I'm Jen Mayer. I'm Assistant Professor and Head of Library Research Services at UNC. What I value so much about the open education movement is the variety of OER options. The appeal to some faculty is the flexibility with their curriculum and freedom to really make those choices, what they include and how they include it in their classes. I think it also perpetuates a classroom community through accessibility to and sharing of resources. Of course, a lot of students highly value the cost savings and convenience of OER. Administrators tend to be interested in the research that shows a decrease in student dropout rates when OER implemented. So since open education involves so many different people and the success really hinges on collaboration, this school year I'm chairing the UNC Open Education Resources Committee. And we have wide representation from campus. So we have representatives from the UNC faculty, the student body, the School of Extended Studies, the libraries, IMT, the bookstore, and disability support services. We will use as a committee the survey data and look into what models might be the best fit to support the increased use of OER for those faculty who are interested. We will make recommendations to the provost at the end of the year. There's grant money available from the state of Colorado to support OER, so uh, we'll look into piloting one of those grants. And it's just really exciting to work with my UNC colleagues on this committee to help advance and support open educational resources at UNC. Open access really is a long game, and OER is a way to make space for teaching innovation and support our students, increase student success, and remove the financial barriers from the high cost of textbooks. <laughs>